Welcome to this edition of Two Soka, Two Sisters of a Certain Age, Conversations with a Therapist and a Doctor. I am Dr. Sophia Grant, Board Certified Pediatrician and Child Abuse Pediatrician. And I am Judy Grant, Licensed Marriage and Family Therapist. Welcome to all of you. We're so happy to have you here. Yes, we are. Today, we're going to be talking about some personal stuff. But before we do that, let's check in. Judy, what's been going on with you? Anything fun? You know, there is something fun. Uh, so Rick and I have been taking salsa dancing classes. And that has, it's just been hysterical. Well, it gives your hips a nice workout. That's for sure. Do you, do you yes. have hip pain? Yes. Yes, actually, I do. Uh-huh. The, the the basic maneuver forward and back and side to side. But we get into that class and we just are like laughing with one another. Um, and then we meet all of these other people because we trade partners. Uh-huh. Are they your age? Uh, yes, definitely. Okay. Uh-huh. But th- we do have a few younger, uh-huh. uh, young, few younger folks in the class, but it's really fun. And I think everybody is just kind of learning together and you're getting to know these different people. And, um, you know, it's, it's just fun to be out and doing something like salsa. Mm-hmm. I can imagine. Yeah. I'm looking forward to um, taking our moves to some little salsa club here in L.A. Mm-hmm. Uh, and really get to practice on a bigger stage. That sounds like fun. Yeah, it's been great. It's been great. Today we're going to be talking about hysterectomy. Um, Both Judy and I have had hysterectomies for different reasons. I had mine many years ago. And uh, Judy has had hers five years ago. Five years ago. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, a couple things about hysterectomy is um, a lot of black women get hysterectomies, and it's because we are more prone to fibroids. And fibroids can cause a non pregnant woman to look pregnant, it can cause heavy bleeding, it can cause discomfort. Um, I had fibroids, but that wasn't the cause of mine. Judy, you had fibroids, right? Yes. Um, and my fibroid history goes back to my first surgery when I was 27 because they were so, so problematic. Um, and I've had to have a number of surgeries before eventually getting the hysterectomy because these fibroids were, um, really impacted my life on a daily basis. And we can get into that in a little bit. Um, But I wanted to say that being a woman of a certain age, this is kind of part and parcel of that journey. Yeah, it is, unfortunately. And, you know, um, the word hysterectomy um, comes from hysterical. And I guess in Latin or Greek, uterus is H-Y-S-T. I didn't research that. Daddy would know it. Um, But um, hysterectomy was frequently used because they felt a woman was hysterical, too emotional, and it was used to, like, calm her, uh, much the way uh, lobotomies were used many, many years ago. But, um, you know, and that all goes back to misogynism and the patriarchy and all of that stuff. But... um, Yeah, sadly, this is a journey many of us have to take. Mine, 
um, thank goodness, happened after I was done having children. Um, I'll go back. I think, what year was that? It was 2005. So Yaya, she wasn't even two. And um, I went jogging. I, w I had a trainer and I was actually jogging. And then I went jogging and then I felt this fullness in my genital area. And I was like, ooh, this doesn't feel good. And when I went home, I took a mirror and I looked and I saw tissue that I was like, oh my gosh, this is my uterus. And then I said, wait a second. I remembered what uh, uterine tissue looked like. And then I remembered what bladder tissue looked like. And this was my bladder poking out. Wow. I, you know, I, I can't even imagine. I mean, you and I have talked about this right. many times, but the thing is you as a physician, you understood what you were looking at. A normal average person would not have a clue. Yeah. Yeah. It was crazy. So I, I pushed it back in, <laughs> let her go to where you need to go. And uh, it really wasn't a problem. I knew I needed surgery. You know, mm -hmm. I knew my pelvic floor was bust, mm -hmm. but um, it wasn't kind of a daily problem. And I went to um, I went to a doctor who um, she wanted to be very aggressive. She wanted to open me and, you know, and it just seemed like a lot of surgery. Um, and, um, I was hesitant. It just seemed like a lot, like we're going to do this and we're going to do that and we're going to do this. And then the thought of, um, my abdomen just open up and people maneuvering just kind of, it just seemed like a lot. So I found a doctor who, um, uh, he was a urogynecologist. A urogynecologist is someone who specializes in gynecological surgery, dealing with bladder and uteruses and things like that. I never know if the plural of uterus is uteri, you know. Like, I'm not going to have a clue about that, Candy. Octopus, octopi. Anyway, um, so I went to this man and um, he was, uh, he was, half Israeli and half Uruguayan, okay? And I I told him, you know, what was going on. And he said, um, are, you, are you in medicine? I said, yes, I'm a pediatrician. He said, oh, you speak so well. You, you gave me a good history. And um, then I asked um, some questions of him. And he said to me, don't you worry your pretty little head. I will take care of it. Of course, that was the most condescending thing <laughs> someone could have said to me. But I didn't want to upset him because he was going to be operating on me. And the reason why I didn't go to somebody else is when I looked up this guy, he had pioneered um, techniques and I think he had some instruments named after him mm. and a lot of patents. So although he was, um, you know, kind of condescending, I was like, well, I just got to suck it up. And um, 
So and it, it was who my insurance company was going to pay for, you know? You know, I'd, I'd like to point out, though, that though what he said might have been a little bit off-putting, he was trying to put you at ease. Like, right. in, I got this. Yeah. I know what I'm doing. Yeah, in his own way. In his yeah. own way, you know? Right. Like, maybe like a father, because, I mean, he was old at the time. Right. Uh-huh. And he was a small man, and he was wearing some tight little scrubs, like <laughs> granimal scrubs. <laughs> Anyway, um, so I had my surgery at UCLA and um, I went in and I remember they said, okay, nothing to eat overnight and come in at nine or call in the morning to see when you should come in. And then they put the surgery off and I got there at four and I hadn't eaten anything. I was so hungry. And I remember they... um, They uh, gave me an IV, you know, with some dextrose in it. And then that hungry feeling kind of went away. And then I went into the surgery and um, I woke up and um, not only did they do a hysterectomy, they did a bunch of other stuff. Um, I can't remember everything, but they did the hysterectomy and then I don't, I don't really know the technical names for everything they did, but they did, um, they kind of secured my bladder. I had a rectocele, so just my rectum was protruding and uh, everything. Was, so they kind of brought that back. They put everything where it should have gone. And what happened is having three babies um, kind of discouraged destroyed the musculature mm-hmm, of my mm-hmm. pelvic floor. Now, it didn't help that Boogie, my second child, um, when he was born, he, um, he, I guess, to use layman's terms, tore me up. Yeah. So, I think we can all understand yeah. what that means. And I remember when the doctor was suturing me, she called for backup because there was so much bleeding. She She really couldn't see. And turns out uh, the muscular layers, I don't remember the layers of the pelvic floor, but they weren't properly aligned. And so when um, my surgeon went in, he corrected that. Um, That had been done when Boogie was born in 1998. Um, And... um, so everything like the uh the frequency the going to the bathroom a lot the like you know uh that went away all of those things went away and then um i was i was back to being brand new brand new like a virgin <laughs> anyway um but i i didn't miss my period you know i didn't miss having it and he left my ovaries because I was still in my fertile stage mm-hmm. and he didn't want a surgical uh, menopause. And um, I went back to being, you know, like I was before. And I was really grateful that, um, you know, it happened after I had my my kids. But I remember there was after the surgery, you know, you're taking narcotics and of course, that kind of binds you up and you become really constipated and then you 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 hurt and then you you think, oh, my gosh, is this a result of the surgery? But um, the medication that they gave me, I can't remember if it was Tylenol with codeine or um, something else. It gave me 
horrible nightmares. So I first night I took it, I dreamt I got a package. And when I opened up the package, rats came pouring out. And then the next night I took it, uh, I dreamt I was being sexually assaulted, but I couldn't scream. So that was, what, 2005? I haven't taken anything with codeine or anything like that because it was just so horrible. Right. Yeah. So, um, but, you know, I I remember feeling so weak. I, I, I was frustrated at how weak I felt. And then when I went into um, the follow-up surgery, you know, I remember crying and saying, I, I can't do anything. I'm so weak. And she said, you had a lot of surgery mm -hmm. and you lost a lot of blood. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So give yourself a chance to heal. And I mean, of course, as a physician, I understood what that meant. But I'm just so used to going, uh, going, going. Yeah, keep, keep, keep it moving, sis. Keep it moving. And um, yeah, I was really weak. And so it, it made me pause and made me kind of pull myself together. Now, um, what's interesting is um, I took six weeks off for the surgery. And uh, the place where I was working, they called me at about five weeks and said, you know, you've been gone a long time. And um, we've, uh, you know, we've made some changes. And uh, if you want to come back, you're going to have to go to one office on one day, one office on another day, one office. And what they were trying to do is they were trying to squeeze me out. They knew that that was untenable with my life. And I said, well, you know, I have kids to take care of and, you know, a family. And then this man, this very horrible man uh, said, well, I'm not your husband and I'm not your babysitter. Hmm. And um, so then I... I can't remember if I quit or I was fired. I can't remember. But the idea that you went through this very, like, significant surgery. Right. The emotions of that. Right. The, the, the recovery from that. And now this man is saying, right. I'm not your babysitter. I'm not your husband. Right. But you know what? I really didn't care because I had gotten my fellowship. And I knew, you know, you were, I was, you were leaving. I was leaving. So I didn't care. And um, I worked for an urgent care, you know, for a few months before we moved for my fellowship. But um, I do have a funny story. And um, it's, it, yeah, it's kind of sad, but funny. So at around the time I had the surgery, um, one of our family friends died. And everybody called her grandma. And so I'm at the house and, you know, we're Jamaican. So it's tons of people and it's tons of food. And I really can't do anything. So I'm kind of lying in a bed. And then um, we have this Jamaican food fritters. which Saltfish like salt fritters. Which is like salted codfish. And then you add scallion and then some tomato. And then if you get fancy, a little bit of curry. And then you fry it like Crab cakes, but not really. But delicious. Delicious. Best served hot. You can't have it cold. And since I wasn't really able to walk around and move, people would come to me and say, Candy, you want, you want some fritters? And I'd say, yes. 
Yes. Everybody that night brought me fritters. <laughs> you had more fritters yes, than anyone I else. More fritters than everybody else. But my my hysterectomy journey, it was a good one because it kind of restored me in terms of being able to exercise and not have to run to the bathroom and not have to plan your life ab- around like which place has a good toilet, you know, short drives because you have to go to the bathroom. Mm-hmm. So it was a good experience for me. Now, Judy, tell us about yours. So like I mentioned, mine started at roughly about 26 years old. Um, my periods were out of control. I was living in Santa Barbara at the time, and I, I went to a number of doctors, and they realized that my issue were, were fibroids. I knew that I had them from before, but they had grown and grown and grown. And they talk about fibroids in, in relative size to balls and fruits and round sort of vegetables. And I had, you know, a golf ball here, a baseball here, a cantaloupe here. And um, as a result of the masses that were in my uterus, the the blood that was released was simply unbearable. So I had my first... um Did you ab- feel weak? Oh, absolutely weakened. Uh-huh. Absolutely weakened. Did you have um, to um, take iron because of yes. the anemia? Yes, most definitely took iron. Um, and so that was my first abdominal myomectomy. I went on to Tell have... Tell us what a myomectomy is. A myomectomy, um, well, they kind of cut you open like a C-section. Um, and but they, it's it's not the... They, they do a low uh, incision. Yes, they do a low but incision. But then when they go in, they do... Uh, they do... Um, um, so they do a exterior horizontal incision. Interior, they do a vertical incision. So they told me at the time that any babies that I could possibly have would have to be by a C-section because of that interior vertical incision. They could not allow any pressure to be put on that incision. Because she would be at risk of rupturing her uterus. So I thought that was a fair trade, get rid of these fibroids and be able to have children via C-section. So that's what I did. That wasn't my last um, myomectomy. I went on to have a second abdominal myomectomy and I had a hysteroscopic myomectomy where they went in through my navel. So you had three myomectomies? Three myomectomies. How old were you when you had the first? 26, 27? 27 for the first. And honestly, it's a blur. I cannot remember, but one was after Maxine was born. Okay, so myomectomy, then you had Maxine, then one after. I might be mixing it up. It could have been abdominal, hysteroscopic, had Maxine, and then another one after that. Right, okay. So... um. And I had mentioned in in a previous episode that I was never supposed to have children. And this is why, because I had so many of these surgeries that the doctors were concerned that the scar tissue, there was so much scar tissue in the lining of my uterus that it would be very difficult for an embryo to implant. Right. So let's fast forward. Um, but I just want to point out that you had fertility sparing procedures because back in the day 
maybe 40 years ago. Very true. They would have just taken out your uterus and say, you know, you just need to adopt. So, you know, kudos to those physicians, those more modern physicians that wanted to maintain your fertility. And that reminds me, actually, after that first myomectomy, when I first became even just a tad bit lucid, I saw my doctor and I, the first thing I said was, do I have a uterus? Mm -hmm. And she said, yes. Um, so let me fast forward now, um, several, many years, decades later, and, um, I'm seeing my physician on a regular basis and the fibroids are there and the fibroids are growing. So they came back. They came More back came because back. fibroids do come back. Mm -hmm. They never just go away. Um, and we were looking at various procedures and eventually he said, it's time to take, take this all out. It's mm -hmm. time for a hysterectomy. And it was a very emotional moment for me because I remember wanting it because I was so done with these fibroids. I was so done with bleeding through my clothes. Oh, yeah. she, she I used to like have to pack a diaper bag of supplies when she had her period. It and was awful. Didn't you bleed through something when you were at a client's house? Yes. Yes. Yeah, she's giving I, therapy. I bled through my clothes. I bled onto chairs in clients homes and i'm trying to clean it and and maintain some semblance of professionalism i bled everywhere i would um sit on a towel in my car because i would bleed through um so of course all of this was just out of control and right. it was time to finally have You're a 40 plus year old woman and i've had my three babies mm -hmm. and i have rick in my life so one of the things um <laughs> I was really as scared of, you know, any surgery is scary. And I'm thinking, what if I don't come out of this? What if something horrible happens and I don't wake up from this? I'll take care of the kids and marry Rick. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I, you know, talked to my mother. I talked to my sister and Rick, like, please, please, please take care of these children. They cannot be with their father full time. They need a grant in their life. And I got all of the reassurances, of course. And then I went into the surgery and it was pretty, pretty standard mm -hmm. stuff. Um, and I had a long recovery, partly in fact, because I got the flu when I was in the hospital. Oh, wow. I was wow. doing well, I was doing well. And then a fever spiked and I had to stay an extended period of time in the hospital. And then I, I just need to point out that when you have abdominal surgery and you want to cough, it feels like your insides are about to pop out. Yes. And so you have to hold a pillow, pillow. to your stomach so that when you cough, you don't feel it. It's a horrible sensation. Yeah. And eventually I got home and I think I was off of work for about two months. Mm -hmm. And I was kind of new to my job. And so it had to be this ongoing request for additional time. And they gave it to me, but it was one of those headaches that I had to think about because mm -hmm. I hadn't been there for that standard year right. before you get time off. Yeah. So anyway, um, two months of recuperation at home. And I remember, you know, they want you up. They want you walking. Right. And I remember like that first day, even trying to walk to the corner of my block and being exhausted. Yeah. Like I cannot do this. Yeah. Um, and I couldn't go out by myself. So Rick or the children had to walk with me. 
And over the course of time, the strength regains. You can walk to the end of the block. You can walk around the block. But that all, you know, took great effort. Right. And you really need to be invested in your own recovery yeah. uh, to truly get to a place where you are feeling better. Um, like Candy, I don't miss having my period. I love wearing my white pants. My daughter looks at me with envy in her eyes because she's like, I will never wear white pants. I cannot do it. <laughs> and um, I have to say that there are definitely some some upsides to it. But then, you know. Now, when you had your hysterectomy, they left your ovaries. Right? Yes, they uh -huh. did. They so did. you didn't have a surgical menopause. No, no. But. You know, it's you, you then start to see your body changing in different ways. You then start to become perimenopausal mm -hmm. and then the menopause itself. And that's, that's another, another topic. Yeah. 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 But it's it's something where I saw like shifts in my body mm -hmm. and like the weight being redistributed or being gained and exercising and nothing happening as a result of your efforts. Um, but at the end of the day, the hysterectomy, like neither one of us could avoid it. Right. Now, how did your life change after you're healed up? Okay, you could wear white pants. Oh, my gosh. It was so incredibly freeing not to have to worry about bleeding through my clothes. I'm getting teary thinking about it because it was really, really frightening. Like, you, like can I even go to the supermarket right now? Mm -hmm. Um. Because you would be in the market and you would feel the gush rushing through you and leaving my basket in the market and going to the car and going home and then having to return to the market to get your stuff. To yeah. get my stuff. Um, calling, you know, calling out to Rick because there is so much blood and him having to take me to the emergency room because, like, I knew, like, this amount of bleeding was not okay. Um, and just the the fatigue right. associated with that sort of blood loss, it was horrible. Yeah. It was horrible. So it was very, very freeing. Um, but there's also this other emotional side of it where you come to realize that your days of fertility are over. Yeah. And though I was not intending on having another child, as a woman... You kind of want to have it in your back pocket, like, yeah. But it, it's also like, this is what our bodies were made You're to right. do. And the fact that it was being taken from from me, even though I knew it had to be, there was there was like, you had to kind of pause and reflect on your life and reevaluate your sense of womanhood. Right. But Chitty, think of how blessed we are that we were able to have our kids before we had to, you know face this uh you know lack of fertility absolutely i mean so many women go through this and they're told in their 20s and early 30s right. they can't have kids or the single women who you know are holding on until they meet the right person and that window is closed yeah so you know judy and i were definitely on the same page with how much we love being a mother and thank goodness Thank goodness for that. And, you know, as you said, I feel for those women that do not have the opportunities to bear children because maybe an early hysterectomy, um, whatever the case may be, uh, because it, 
you do begin to question like what's my purpose as a woman right because we it's been ingrained in us you're you're a woman you have children um and i think even for those women who choose not to have children mm -hmm. they know they still can because right. they've got their uterus right and some people change their minds yeah you know they may decide at one point um I think I'm ready, or I didn't think I would, but I've met the right person, and now it's time. So, yeah. Yeah, it's, um, you know, it's it's a crazy thing to have to go through. Right. And when you're faced with um, life-threatening right. consequences, if you don't, because I had been told a number of times, if you don't have the surgery, this will kill you. I'm like, really? what do you mean this is going to kill me? Well, what, you're going to bleed to death? Something, so uh, Candy, I can't tell you the the medical I reason, didn't know that. Mm -hmm. but I remember when I had the abdominal myomectomy. My doctor told me then, um, and I did not realize that this was a life or death sort of thing. Right. So I I just wanted to point out I had fibroids too, but not to the extent that Judy had them. Um, uh, I think with Haley, I had a fibroid. It was pedunculated, meaning it was on a stalk and it was on the outside of my uterus and I could slide it over my abdomen. I could like literally slide it. And then when I'm done with the baby and you know, less hormones, then it goes away. But it made me seem like I was two months pregnant when I was, you know, barely pregnant. Oh yeah. Let and me she looked pregnant. When I, I looked you, pregnant you know. and there was one night Rick and I were out dancing. Oh gosh. And uh, a woman that, you know, it was kind of like a regular crowd at this place. We went to hear this wonderful singer and a woman approached me and she's like, oh, my gosh, congratulations. I'm like, what are you talking about? She's like, your baby. Oh, my gosh. And I What'd looked at Rick. What'd you say? Uh, I said, I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not pregnant. Oh, my gosh. You know, that that's another thing. You never tell a woman uh, congratulations that, you you know. And, Unless she's wearing a sign. Uh, yeah, yeah. Or the baby's coming out of her. But yeah. Um, but yeah, it was it was bad because I definitely. Was, was that like a moment, kind of like a watershed moment where you're like, I got to have this surgery? Well, you know, actually, when that happened, my surgery was scheduled. Uh-huh. So maybe that happened in January. Uh -huh. And I knew my schedule, my surgery was scheduled for the following month. Now, what did the woman say? Uh, I think she was mortified. Right, right. Um, and she's like, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I just thought. And I actually, in that moment, I said, I have uterine fibroids. Uh-huh. It's, it's a tough lesson to learn when you congratulate somebody on their pregnancy and they're not pregnant. Yeah. yeah. It happened to a coworker of mine. And I'm like, you never do that. Don't, don't do that. You know, it's. But it was, there was this medical reason why right. I looked like it. So I have a friend who was taking a bus and somebody offered them their seat on the bus because she was pregnant. <laughs> yeah. And she was not. And she was not pregnant. She just had massive fibroids. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. So, you know, at the end of the day, when I think about my journey and my children saw me through my journey, I pray to God that my daughters do not have these same issues. Um, I, I pray that they, you know, have a clean uterus. Right. Um, now, mommy had to have the, a hysterectomy too. That's right. We, yeah. we neglected to stay. What, what 
was the reason for hers? She Wasn't it with fibroids? Prolapsed uterus. Oh, gosh. Yeah, it was a prolapsed uterus, kind of like what I had. Yeah, I remember that yeah. whole thing with mommy. I was too young to go up into her. Uh, no, were we? no it yes. was a I was too young to go into her hospital room, so I would dress up to try to look older in my Sunday clothes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Ooh, you fooled those nurses. Yeah, I fooled them. Yeah. yeah, but I remember mummies. So the three of us have had it, and I hope that, um, you know, our girls. Yeah, I hope they never have to go through it. But that they never have to go through it. You know, I, if they do, you know, we can support them. Yes, and we know that it will be okay. So, you know, if you have been told that you need a hysterectomy, you know, as a physician, I want to let you know to, to get a second opinion because um, Judy could have been told she needed a hysterectomy when she was 26. I'm glad that she got fertility sparing um, surgery, but um, keep in mind that black women get hysterectomies at higher rates. And uh, yeah, we have fibroids more frequently, but then there's also the uh, medical racism that women, black women don't need to be fertile, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. So make sure you, you get a second opinion and you see if there's some type of workaround. But I, I never recommend second opinions until you find somebody who agrees with you, you know, <laughs> just get, uh, get other opinions and so mm -hmm. you can weigh your options and decide um, what's what's best for you. Yeah. And then also just kind of prepare yourself because there is an emotional piece to this. Yeah. There absolutely is. Um, there will be fear. There will be self-doubt. And that is all perfectly normal part of this process. Um, and it's something that you will be able to get through. With the right doctor, the right family support, the right people around you, you will be able to get through. But for a woman of a certain age, like my sister and myself and our mother when she was our age, um, this was a, our reality. Yeah. So we want to let you know that you're not alone out there if this is happening to you. And please know that if you need to consider a hysterectomy or recently had a hysterectomy or are dealing with fibroids or a prolapsed uterus, please know we, we can, can relate. Thank you so much for listening to uh, today's episode of the Two Soak of Podcast. We ask that you like, follow, share. And if you have any questions, feel free to reach out to us at twosoakapodcast at gmail.com.